Welcome back to the CC Football Podcast. No Craig today, but instead filling his shoes is a good friend of the show, Matt Burke, Chelsea super fan. And, you know, Matt, we're both in a tough spot right now with our teams. How's it going, though? Overall, it's going pretty well. I think things are things are good. Uh, in the sports world, things have been a little tough just in general, uh, as you can see from the hat Yankees haven't been doing well. Chelsea's had their struggles to start the season. It's been it's been a bit rough, but you know I'm in I'm in good spirits. I'm in good spirits. Yeah, we, we still have lots to look forward to. Like we were just talking about how we Matt and I have our uh, fantasy American football draft coming up soon. So that's going to be something hopefully to look forward to before those dreams get shattered as well. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. But sports are a cruel mistress. They are there, but there was some crazy games in the Prem this week. We're going to focus on three of the biggest results. Um, first, we're going to talk about City versus Newcastle and then Leeds Chelsea. And then lastly, we can wrap up with uh, United versus Liverpool. So City tied 3-3 to Newcastle in a cracking game. That game was crazy. Um, great, great spectacle for the neutral to watch. And Matt, we have, what, did you watch the game? Like, what were your takeaways from from that? Yeah, I, I did get to watch that game. It was at a it was at a fairly reasonable time on the East Coast in the U.S. Um, honestly, I, I was really impressed with Newcastle. I think that they were incredible, pretty immense at times. Um, I think what Eddie Howe has been able to do with their midfield in particular has been um, really, really strong. Obviously, they brought in a few new signings and really, you know, solidified the squad with like Nick Pope and, and Sven Botman. But you got to look to like the January signing with like Bruno Gomerish and then Joe Linton almost feels like a new signing yeah. at this point. Um, and that's not even mentioning, you know, Sam Maximin, who I think was easily the best player on the pitch that day overall. Um, I think oh, just, Nick Pope was really good, too. He probably was. He, he came like up with the some of the match. He came up with some big, big saves. Yeah, for sure. That that that, especially later on in the game, really kept Newcastle still in it, um, and even to start the game as well. Um, but overall, I think I was I was just really impressed with Newcastle more than than anything. Uh, City fought well to be able to get that draw by the end of the game, um, and so obviously they'll kind of hate that they drop points, especially with teams like Chelsea and Liverpool both dropping points who were in the top three last year, um, that would feel like a big missed opportunity. But Newcastle can be a, a pretty dangerous team now uh, yeah, with the new players and the way that Eddie Howe has the boys playing. I like the way that Newcastle have kind of, you know, with this in, new injection of, of wealth into their uh, into their club, I it would have been really easy for them to go and sign – the flashy attacking player like i know they were being linked with basically everybody they were being even linked with mbappe at some one point like it would have been really crazy for them to go and sign like usman dembele and mbappe and stuff and have this really flashy attack but you know all the money basically that they've invested so far into the team has been on solidifying the defense and they like you know they got trippier they got like all the players that you just mentioned and so you know they're really focusing on building a team I guess with a strong base. And I think that really showed in this game. Um, yeah. yeah. And like, it's crazy how Joel Linton was signed as a striker and now he's a 
an amazing box to box midfielder. Um, he's just playing the wrong position his entire career, apparently. I guess so. Um, I guess so. He yeah. definitely can't score goals, but I, his work rate is just unreal. Yeah, it's definitely. Like, like two and different like, players. The city, from a city perspective, like that's what champions do, right? They battle back from when down two goals. At one point, they're down three to one. Um, yeah. And honestly, when they tied, when they scored those two goals in quick succession and tied it up to be three three, I thought that they were going to score a fourth and in classic city fashion steal a win um but newcastle credit to them they buckled down and they really deserve a result in this game so i uh i think it was more of a newcastle showing that they're for real and they're gonna try to fight for maybe even a european spot um this year than like them showing some weakness i know i predicted newcastle in seventh i think so just missing out on uh the Europeans places this year. And I think that they kind of, this was the game where they kind of announced their arrival, that they're, they're the real deal this year. Yeah. They've definitely been playing really well. They played really well to end last season. And I think that's always a pretty good indicator of how a lot of teams will start the new season, even with signings. Um, but I think in general city are still dangerous. I mean, you, you look to like, you know, the goals that they scored that Bernardo pass, that Kevin De Bruyne oh, pass. Oh, the Kevin De Bruyne pass was world class. I mean, who it was... I, the combination of the ability and the vision to execute that pass. Yeah, it's, it's just pretty unbelievable how good like Kevin De Bruyne is, and then to pair him up with a player like Erling Holland, like you can you just know that there are going to be a boatload of goals that are coming. Um, yeah. But that that city quality really showed and them being able to get back into it. Obviously, the second goal was a little scrappy, but that's why you buy Holland, you know, get in the yep. box. You know, he's got a nose for a goal and and he got it. And so it's going to be I, I think City have looked really good this season. I think that they are going to be a problem, uh, which I think even provides more credit to Newcastle with with how well that they played um, to be able to, to go, you know, toe to toe with the champions. Uh, for the past two years yeah, so very impressive I would say like because that game was was that game before the Chelsea game it was after okay so for me I was happy to see both Chelsea and City drop points two two teams that I would at the beginning of the year had thought that you know we would have like Liverpool were going to be fighting against for the contention of the title Um, and I was like oh this is going to be great like this is a weekend where Liverpool can make up some points that they've dropped because they dropped already four points from their first two games and so this is a time for them to make up some lost ground Um, and obviously the result was different but let's let's first talk about the Leeds versus Chelsea game so Chelsea had a tough tough outing Uh, 3-0 man that was just not at all what we expected at, at all yeah I think um, Chelsea leads. It's one of those fixtures that always are a bit flary. Uh, there's always, you know, tempers running deep, very much like, you know, Chelsea Tottenham. There's a lot of history there. And so you you kind of never know. But, you know, based on leads, just barely not getting relegated last season. Um, and they haven't started phenomenally. I know they've, they've picked up a few results, but they haven't been great this season. They haven't um, been three nil to Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And it was, and it's, 
And it's one of those results where, you know, you look back and, and, and Chelsea have definitely, they've gotten their batterings um, in the past to the smaller teams. I think oftentimes that's the biggest detriment to us when it comes to making a title challenge is those games that we should be winning. We often make it harder for ourselves. I think in the, the bigger games, we play up to that level. Like when we play Liverpool or when we play City um, or when we play in the Champions League. We play up to that level, but at times when we play the teams below us, it definitely feels like we play down to that level. Yeah. Um, and this was just this was just a day where where Leeds outclassed Chelsea in, in, in just about every regard. I know that they ran, I think, I want to say it was like 13 kilometers more than Chelsea players. Um, we were just getting basically ran off the pitch. Our midfield was non-existent with uh, the injuries to to Conte and Kovacic and. I think it just kind of highlights certain disconnects between, um, you know, the Chelsea defense, midfield and attack with just kind of how disjointed everything kind of felt. Yeah. So, I mean, that marks a uh, a second game in a row, I guess, that Chelsea have dropped points. Granted, the the game before that was versus Tottenham, which is always a, a tough matchup, you know, a London derby and stuff. So, Always tough, but I think uh, I think Spurs have only ever won once at Stamford Bridge in the Derby. Um, so it definitely, fair, it definitely I, felt like a loss for Chelsea fans. I we- I agree, and I I honestly think that Chelsea fans, especially with the way that the result came about, could have felt gypped and stuff. Yeah. Because um, there were two controversial like goals and decisions and stuff like that. So like you know there was yeah. the Romero hair pull and. Uh, there was, I mean, there was just a lot of controversy in the whole game, you know, yeah. and you saw that when you saw Conte and Tuchel going after each other during the game and then also after the game, yeah. um, which I like. I mean, it's two fiery managers going head to head, supporting their club, supporting the badge. But I think that Tuchel maybe right now his demeanor kind of seems like he's frantic and he's like searching for something. I think that's maybe like his, uh, filtering down into the team a little bit yeah he's definitely I mean he's definitely a character he's definitely a very meticulous manager he demands essentially perfection from his players and at times that can lead to a lot of frustration and I think in general what we've seen with his Chelsea team um, was when we get frustrated then these games tend to slip away from us um, and, and they become very, very difficult for us to be able to get anything out of. Um, you know, last season, I think it was remarkable. I don't think we ever were down in the first half during a Premier League game. Um, but in every game that we had been down after the first half, we have not been able to get a win from it. Right. And I don't know if it's necessarily the mentality of the players, but I think that in general, we let frustration come to a boil. Um and where then it kind of creates anger amongst themselves. Um, because I think while being a perfectionist can can offer good traits, I think it can also be detrimental if you don't achieve that perfection, that you take too much out on yourselves. Um, and I think in a lot of ways, Chelsea kind of suffer from that. Uh, so there definitely have to be changes moving forward. But it's a very, it's a very early season. Uh, there's a lot of season left to be played. Yeah, so. and there's a lot. Also, we have just about a week left in the transfer uh, window, and yeah. 
all the window Chelsea have been linked with pretty much everybody who's been sold. And so far they've brought in Cucurella and Sterling, right? Is yeah. that it? Uh, Cucurella, Sterling, Kulubali. Oh yeah, Kulubali, yeah. So three really solid signings, but where do you think that they can like improve in the last week? Because I mean, they've been linked with Fofana at center back. They've been linked with what De Jong at center mid, and they've yeah. also been linked with Aubameyang and most recently Everton's Anthony Gordon. Apparently, yeah. they submitted a big, big money proposal. I don't know if it got accepted or not, but um, yeah, I think that's still up in the air at this point. Um, but yeah, I mean, Chelsea in general have uh, it's been an interesting transfer window for them because we've been planning for the future by bringing in players like Carney Chuameka. Um, and then also we brought in an Inter Milan midfielder. I think his name is Cesare Casale uh, or Casade. I haven't, I, I don't know too, too much about him, but he was highly rated by Neil Bath, who's our academy uh, head of youth development. And so we've, we've definitely been planning for the future. Fofana feels like one that is both for now and for the future. Right, because um, he can play now and he's also young, which exactly. is why he's expensive. Which is why he's very expensive. But I don't think that this is like a Harry Maguire situation where, you know, Harry Maguire was, was you know, he's playing in the lower leagues of, of England and then Leicester bottom. I think I want to say he played for Hull. I could be wrong. And then Leicester bottom. Yeah, I think he did. Uh, and then sold him to United for an exorbitant fee with the English tax. I don't think that's the case with Fofana. We've seen him have an unbelievable season, and then obviously he got injured. Um, I think, obviously, we need defense for sure, um, just because Thiago Silva's 37, Bali's 33. These are guys that are going to age out eventually, and I think it's good to have a player like Fofana who can allow Reese James to stay at right wing back. Um, but I do think in the midfield, we we need strengthening in general. Um, I, I'm personally a, a big Jorginho fan. I think he's very, very good, but I see Frank de Jong as a more athletic, um, you know, just as versatile, better dribbler, that type Jorginho type of player where he can yeah. be that lying playmaker. Um, and so obviously I think that that's why he's caught Tuchel's eye as a player that can really fit within the midfield. Um, but to be honest, it really looked like we needed a DM in that, in that Leeds game. And I, I don't know the situation with Declan Rice. I don't think that that's something that will happen this summer. But like long term, a player like him could be really, really pivotal to even just unlocking an ability to play a different formation. Um, you know, instead of the five, have Declan Rice sit in front of a four back and then be able to, to free up the attack a little bit more. Because I think pieces like Sterling help. But, you know, Mason Mount is not a right winger and he plays there pretty consistently. Kai Havertz is not a striker and he's playing there consistently. Um, and so we need to figure that out, I think, first um, before before we're able to to put on a good like league push. Yeah. Uh, for the Cups, though, I think we're we're in a very good position always. Tuchel's a phenomenal cup manager, but it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, and I know with that Anthony Gordon bid, I mean, it's it's pretty massive. Um but Raheem Sterling went for like 50 million when he was 18 to Man City. Yeah, but uh, I think that everybody ridiculed it. So everyone, but yeah, but also I think that Sterling has shown a little bit more than what Gordon has. I mean, granted, he has been an, on one of the worst teams in the league the last two years, or like yeah. this year and last year, especially. 
Um, you know, Everton have been really, really, really bad. But yeah. I mean, even tactically, I don't really see a need for Chelsea to buy and because he's another winger. Yeah. My, if you were gonna I buy a forward, I would like think they would buy like a striker, a number nine, you know. Yeah, I think he would be more like a wing back um player in Tuchel's system who can also play up front. Uh, kind of like what Tuchel's tried to do with Pulisic and, and Hudson at the way. Yeah, because that's worked out super well with those yeah. two guys. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, I mean, they have a great right wing back in Reese James. Yeah. They just yeah. need to get a center back. I, I, I agree, I agree. And I think that Reese James, I mean, you could even put Reese James in midfield. That's how talented and, and how great he is. Right. Um, but I don't know. At this point, I I fully back Tuchel to kind of try to build the team that he wants. Uh, most of his players, I mean, there there are even players from from when Conte was at Chelsea, and that was in what 2016, 2017. So that was over like five years ago at this point. So he he needs time to build his own team, kind of like Klopp and, and Guardiola got to do. And and I think Bully believes that he is a manager that that can do that. So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, this is yeah. a new era at Chelsea. It's not necessarily where, you know, a string of bad results might lead to you getting sacked. I think with this new owner, we we might are, have more patience. I think it's a more long term vision in general. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of something that I, because I, I said at the beginning of the year that I thought that Tuchel could be the first manager sacked just because not only like with Abramovich, but I think that Chelsea as a whole, as a club, the culture is like immediate results or you're gone you know not yeah. only for the managers but also for the players i mean we just saw lukaku after one poor year go right back to the team that they sold him to chelsea like it went back to inter after being yeah. sold for 100 million dollars or pounds or euros right yeah. so i kind of thought that you know kind of like how newcastle how they ended the season last season really really well Chelsea kind of limped to the finish line yeah um I thought that maybe Chelsea would carry that momentum that negative momentum into this year and I mean I guess from the results you could argue that that has happened a little bit um where you know now Chelsea have four points and uh through the first three games yeah like I thought that maybe Tuchel could be the first one fired, but I mean, at this point, you, you would maybe argue that Klopp could be the, the first manager sacked and stuff, but right. I mean, if you're going to talk about clubs with long-term visions, though, Liverpool is definitely like one of those clubs that's not going to sack a manager, even after four or five bad results in a row. Um, yeah. No matter when it is in the season. Like, yeah, obviously the end of the Premier League didn't shake out their way, and that was pretty heartbreaking, and also the Champions League final didn't shake out their way. Um, and it's been a really, really tough start to the year for Liverpool in basically all aspects. Um, and it's kind of like compounded by this two, one, let's move on to this game, I guess. Now the two, one Manchester United versus Liverpool, uh, game. Yeah. Uh, Matt, what were your thoughts first before I kind of unload my, my feet, my, my thoughts and stuff? Yeah, I, I'm sure you have. I'm sure you have a lot to say. Um, I think first and foremost, United were were very good on the day. Um, I think they played well. I think tactically, Ten Hag got it right this time. Um, obviously he dropped McGuire. He dropped um, 
Ronaldo. Yeah. Uh, Malasia was playing at left back. Um, it was it was a definitely a, a different team, not necessarily what the same team that we saw for the first two games. Um, and I think they they played well. I mean, Jaden Sancho had a great game. Uh, Rashford was moving into channels and and looked like he had a little bit of life for the first time since maybe that like Champions League game against PSG where he was unbelievable like three years ago at that yeah. point. Um, but I think honestly, Liverpool were poor again. And I I don't think that they've been very good this season at all, um, in terms of being able to to play this free flowing football that they're trying to play. Um, I think uh and in general it seemed like defensively there were there was just a lot of space yeah. behind the Liverpool back line. It looked and, as uh, if like the defense had never played together before. Yeah. Yeah, things were just disconjointed. I mean, Trent was being pulled out of position. Van Dyke was was nowhere to be seen. He didn't. I don't think he made a single successful tackle in that game. Um, it just looked like they were a bit, they were a bit confused. And I think that early goal really, really kind of was the cause of that. I think United started out very, very strong, and maybe you could almost think of it as a level of complacency. Um, but I think that caught Liverpool off guard. And, and I think most of the game was was them trying to to claw their way back towards yeah. being able to to be that dominant team. And and they had spells of possession, but I think overall United were were very good. Um and I think it's it's a little worrying for for Liverpool right now. Um I think maybe the loss of, of Sadio Mane is is potentially pivotal, pivotal. Um though obviously Diaz has been playing well. And obviously, Thiago wasn't playing. Fabinho didn't start. There were a lot of players missing, I think, from what many would consider Liverpool's best team. Yeah. But considering you're playing a, a United team that just got, you know, 4 0 by Brentford um, and struggled against Brighton in the, their first two matches of the season, I think uh, you would have would have hoped for better. Yeah, I agree. Like, I think that kind of was almost a trap game for Liverpool, considering that if you thought that Liverpool's beginning of the year with two draws to Fulham and Crystal Palace was bad, you look at United's results, right? And people yeah. are already like, oh, is Ten Hag the right guy for the job? Three games into his managerial stint at United. And, like, it's for that reason, I think that, I mean, you know, it's a huge, huge rivalry, United versus Liverpool – um and old trafford was buzzing and stuff like the the energy from the fans fed to the energy of the players the energy of the players fed to the energy of the fans so like the players definitely got up for the game and that only that was one-sided i think the biggest takeaway for me is that from the first three games i haven't seen once the liverpool like spark that they're that their trademark high intensity high energy even if the quality isn't there on the day they're still going to be the first ones to every loose ball. They're still going to be pressing until the 90th minute. I haven't seen that at all um, in the yeah. first three games of the year. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's fatigue. And, like, you know, they played every single game possible last year. They played every game of the FA Cup, every game of the Carabao Cup, every game of the Champions League, and every game of the Premier League. That's basically, They played every single possible game they could have. And then you compound that with a laundry list of injuries 
you mentioned that like Tiago is out. I have like I had the list pulled up here. So Matip got injured last week, and so he's supposed to be out till late late August. So apparently he's supposed to return sometime this week or next. And then Jota has been out ever since uh, the end of the. I mean, sometime this summer he got injured. And he hasn't he hasn't played at all. And then Kelleher, who's our second choice keeper, you know, not that big of a deal to not miss him. But I mean, it is good to have your second choice keeper on the bench versus your third choice keeper. Um, and then the two two big ones, I think, for me are is Tiago. He's like probably our best midfielder who really, if the game's not going the way they want, he can pull the strings. And he is the sometimes that engine that distributes the ball and makes sure Salah is involved, makes sure uh now diaz gets the ball and, and gets service and stuff and then some depth like curtis jones ox and our well, our new backup right back signing calvin ramsey no idea what we, we've never seen him he, he hasn't trained at all apparently he's injured um and then uh konate who is probably the second or third choice center back is also injured so like there are probably three liverpool are missing like three or four Oh, and Nabi Keita is also injured. So, like, yeah. I would say definitely Tiago, and then one of Matip and Konate would be the Van Dyke partnership. And then you could argue that Keita would be the uh, maybe start over Henderson at this point because Henderson has been so poor for the last eight months. Um, yeah. And then you would say that, I mean, Firmino last year was basically dropped the whole entire season. So one of Darwin, who was also suspended, or Jota would start there. So that's four first-choice players that are missing. But with that being said, you look at the team sheet that they put forth, and it's still one that should be capable of beating United, right? 100%. So you can't really say that injuries are like an excuse for a poor performance like that. Yeah, I mean, this 2022 and James Milner is still starting for Liverpool. And it's 2022 and Nat Phillips started last game for Liverpool. Yeah. This thing is just giving me um, complete flashbacks and to, to two years ago when they had a huge injury crisis and the board and maybe Klopp decided not to fill the defensive holes with new signings and they, and it cost them a whole year. Right. Yeah, and I think that at least right now the the warning signs are there that if they don't sort out, especially the midfield, I think that match with matchup Konate and Joe Gomez, there's no need for another center back, and Darwin will be back soon, and hopefully Joe will be back in training also. So then it gives us a good amount of center backs and a good amount of forwards. So you have like you have Diaz, Salah. Firmino, D, uh, Nunez, and Jota. So that's enough forwards. And then, but the really thing is the midfield. Like, Fabinho hasn't been his, his class self for ever since, like, the end of last year. Also, he was pretty average. Um, Tiago is great when he plays, but can't rely on him to play every single game of the season, as we already saw. And, and he, then he's, Henderson, older. he's much older yeah. now. Too. Yeah, not, Henderson and Milner are also aging. Keita is always hurt. So those are our top four midfielders. And then you look at you have young youngsters like Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott and Fabio Carvalho, who the last two are really exciting players, but you can't expect them to like win you the league, right? Yeah. 
I yeah, think so. um, overall Liverpool's transfer policy has been, it almost feels kind of non-existent. Um, and I think they've been a little complacent in the transfer market when, you know, City signing Holland, you know, and obviously Liverpool got Nunez and I think Darwin could have provided a lot in that game, especially against a player like Lissandro Martinez, who looks about 5'7". On the no, he's five nine, but he's like yeah. short. Uh, he like, he's he's five. Nine. I don't yeah. I don't know if I believe it. I don't know if I believe it. Maybe he could be five, he could be like five eight and a half. Um, <laughs> but he played I really well. Like he 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 played very very well. Um, and I think that that just kind of shows where Liverpool is at right now, where he essentially shadowed Salah out of the game. Like Lissandra Martinez was on him all the time. Um, but I, you're hitting what I think are, are the biggest key points. And I, I think there's a belief and a hope amongst Liverpool fans that, you know, Jude Bellingham is coming next year, but you know, who knows because he's going to, he's going to be just like Holland was with the Holland sweepstakes. And obviously city won this one, but when Real Madrid come calling, you know, he might, he might say, this is a, this is an opportunity to play. Yeah. You know, for one I mean, of the wait, greatest clubs of all time. Real Madrid are like, Hey, Cruz and Casemiro. I mean, we already talked. Okay, another big plus for United. Casemiro is signing for them, right? Yeah. What yeah. a great week for them. So, but when Real Madrid are saying, okay, we've already moved on Casemiro, Modric and Cruz are the next two out the door. We already have, we're two of our next three in Camavinga, Chuameni, and they also have Valverde, but he's so versatile. He can play on the right and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. To say, we want you, Jude. Kamavinga and Chuameni to be our next Casemiro, Modric, and Cruz. And you guys are going to be playing the Champions League final every single year. And you guys are going to be winning the La Liga and everything, every yeah. single trophy known to man. How do you say no to that? It's hard. It's hard. And I think that that, it should, it should kind of, you know, create a little spark within Liverpool to, to find something. Um, because like you said, Henderson and Milner do not, they look off the pace, I think, um, to start the year at least. They they definitely haven't been as solid, and I think that that's why, you know, even a game, even the game against Palace, there was there was a lot of space in behind. If if Zaha was a little bit better in a couple of those one on one situations, it could have been it could have been a another loss. It could have uh, been, honestly. yeah. And I mean, so, and Rashford, credit to him, was really really dangerous, especially in the first half, exposing. Yeah. Like the there was so much space between the center backs of like Van Dyke and Gomez. Like I think that honestly, yeah, Van Dyke was really really poor during the game. You said he didn't. Like he was just not himself. Like he wasn't. I mean, the Sancho goal, he just stood there. Um, yeah. And no, no, <laughs> that's been memed a couple of times. But depending on the was vibe. getting after him the whole entire game because he just didn't seem like he just seemed like he was disinterested, right? And then Joe Gomez seemed lost the whole time. Like whenever Allison would have the ball, he'd have to like point to Gomez to where he wanted Gomez to go. And to yeah. be fair to Gomez, like he hasn't really played that much in Liverpool's team for the past three or four seasons. And when he has, he's been filling in at right back for when Trent needed to rest or whatever. So exactly. like it's tough to criticize him too much, but he's still, a, he's our fourth choice center back. And right now he's going to need to be playing for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Plus, he's a player that's you know looking to try to make the World Cup squad right you know, exactly. this November. So, 
he he's incentivized to play well and he, he should want to play but but like you said he was just kind of all over the place um it seemed like he was chasing the ball rather than than being well positioned uh, and maybe that was definitely part of it in general obviously there it's been known that there's always going to be space between that left center back or that right center back of of Liverpool and and Trent um there's always going to be space for that for a left winger or left forward to to kind of operate within um but to start the season it seems like that's been worse than it normally is um and I think that Klopp definitely has some thinking to do with how he's going to look to address that because you can't it's not like you can tell your line to back up because that's not how Liverpool play. They like to right. press. They like to hold the ball. When they lose the ball, they like to win the ball high. Um, but it's not it's not working like it was uh, last season at certain points. Um, and it and maybe like like we were talking about earlier, where where things didn't go quite as well for Liverpool, and maybe that kind of create something, you know, a little mentally, you know, once again, losing out to city and then once again, making it to a champions league final and, and not being able to get over that line um, where maybe there's something mentally there. That's just challenging the players. Um, but yeah, I think new competition is needed within the squad. You know, you can't have players feel like complacent in their positions. I think maybe these new faces are, are what the squad needs. And, and obviously like Darwin He's a new face, but he's essentially replacing a non-position um, where Liverpool haven't really operated with a, a striker. Right. And and so it'll be interesting to see. Like, it's still super early. Um, and it is, you know, United, Liverpool, at Old Trafford, historically never an easy fixture. But uh, definitely incredibly disappointing based on the way that United had been playing up to that point where, where they were just getting played off the park. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I would say that the spin zone could be, like you said, it's a really tough fixture. If you look at it in a vacuum, like it's understandable to drop points at Old Trafford for Liverpool in that big rivalry game. Um, and especially when you consider the number of injuries they, they've had. But I just I don't want to overreact too much because as like you said, it's only three games into the season. You still have thirty five more to go. But you yeah. know, the the point tallies for the teams that have won the prem in the past four to five years has been well over 90 points that's a lot of points and you cannot drop points in very many games Um, yeah and they've already burned three three of their free chits you know so you gotta hope that they're gonna go on a city-esque run of going unbeaten till like the world cup or something um right where we'll we'll see. I mean, it's possible. I mean, if any team's gonna do it, I think I back Liverpool. Like I back Klopp and I back all these players. I know that there's it's in there somewhere because I've seen them do it. I've seen them be this good, but something has to change. I think, um, and yeah, like you said, it might be needed for some maybe some FSG to open their pocket and their piggy bank a little bit, and uh, if they want to compete this year, because the writing's on the wall. Um, yeah, like, like I said, the spin zone might be that this might incentivize them to make one more signing before the end of the transfer window. Yeah, and I think in general, this year is going to be really interesting with the World Cup happening essentially in the middle of the year, um, you know, giving players that aren't in the World Cup essentially the winter break, um, but also players potentially can can try and, and impress 
to maybe move in January. This could be a this could be kind of a busy January based on yeah. how the World Cup goes. Um, there's typically a lot of movement after World Cups, and I know it's normally in the summer, but there there's a lot to be had, I think, with this season. I think that there's far more twists and turns that we're gonna see. I don't think this is the last time Liverpool is gonna drop points, but I don't think this will be the last time City will either. Um, and so there will definitely be opportunities and it's going to be it's going to be different having to come you know out of the world cup and then have to start up again um it almost might feel like the beginning of a new season at that point depending on how close things are so i think yeah. the goal really should be to maintain you know within touching distance um up to that point for all of the teams that want to compete i mean right now arsenal is at the top of the league and they're jeering and and chanting but there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of games left to be played it's a 38 game season it's not it's not a 15 game season. Um, well, what would you, uh, yeah, like you, what would you predict the top four? Cause I didn't, I haven't heard your predictions yet. So I predicted, I predicted Liverpool to win. And then I had city and then I had, uh, Oh, I had actually, I had Tottenham and Arsenal as my other four. Um, and you know, like you said, the, the prem has a lot of exciting new teams that have seemingly improved. You still have your cities and, maybe Liverpool's and Chelsea's uh competing it for the big spots but I mean Arsenal look like they've taken a massive step forward um even teams like Newcastle and Crystal Palace have shown really really bright glimpses this year already um Tottenham look to be very dangerous like so who are your top four like gonna be if you had to predict today honestly I think I'm not gonna I'm not going to be kind of biased to the present. I, I, I think that by the end of the season it's gonna be City, Liverpool, Chelsea, and Spurs. I think it's gonna be the same that it was last season. Um I just essentially rate all four of those managers significantly higher than like Arteta for for Arsenal. And while Arsenal are playing very, very well right now, um you never know how how things happen. Uh, and any injury, an injury to Jesus could essentially derail Arsenal season. Um, any key injuries can can derail anybody's season. And so I think of the managers that, that would be able to get it out of their players, I think that Tuchel, Conte, uh, Pep, and, and Klopp are, are, are clear in a way the best four managers in the league and, and some of the best managers in the world. So for me, that would have to be my top four. Yeah. I think uh, I think Tuchel is going to get it together, and I think Klopp will get it together as well. But I can't. I can't. The City have been great this season, and while yes, they draw points to Newcastle, I think um, I I don't necessarily see anybody being able to really push them like uh, you guys were able to do last year. Yeah, and I think I mean the only thing that you can say, but maybe just because the league might be more competitive this year. Um, is that the the more teams at the top are going to drop points to the mid table and lower table teams just because their overall is more quality and a lot of really good teams. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's going to be interesting to shake it up and see how it goes. Um, I know that Liverpool have a big game on Saturday. Hopefully they can get their first win of the season. We'll see if uh, yeah. that happens or not, but yeah, Matt, any closing thoughts or just going to, no, I mean, it's always a pleasure. Like you yep. said, friend of the show. 
it's always great to be on and, and chat. Um, and I think it's been, it's, this was a crazy game week. It was um, crazy. We're going to have a lot more of these too. And I'm looking forward to this year, even if Liverpool aren't their best right now, but like, yeah. it's been just a really fun to watch the beginning of this season. Yeah. I think it's just great to have football back. Um, I mean, you're seeing like PSG win seven, one in league. Yeah, that was wild. Bayern Munich doing the same Borussia Dortmund blowing a, like a, what, a two goal or three, no, two goal lead in the, in the 89th, 90th and like 93rd minute of their game things are just going off it's been it's been good uh to have to have footy back and we so. have the world cup coming up in a few months so that's going to throw another curveball into the season you know who knows who's going to blow up or shoot or cool down or get injured and stuff like that during the yeah. during the world cup so it's gonna be crazy yeah this is gonna be this is gonna be definitely a great year for football i'm looking forward to it i think the season is long and so I, I, we got to take game, game week by game week. Um, but no, this was an absolute pleasure. All right. We'll catch you guys next time.